All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and that is... James Davis. Oh, yes, it is. We're talking hoops. It's Wednesday in basketball. I feel like we've been we're still like, kind of like slowly getting our feet back wet. Do you get your feet back wet? Do you just get them wet? How do, what do you do with your feet when it comes to getting them wet and doing something? You just you get yeah, them I wet? Would assume, talking, as long as they were wet at one point... Uh, you're probably getting them wet again. Yeah, fair enough. Feet. Well, sure. that, that, per- that perfect analogy is what we're doing with the basketball podcast. So there you go. Uh, we're getting ourselves. <laughs> we have some starts and stops with the basketball podcast, trying to just find a good scheduling time that we can get up for at least the big slates. But we're going to continue to work on that so we can keep coming at you a few times a week talking about some of these. Bas- the basketball system's been absolutely killing this year. Um, last night was my first, which this is really saying something. Last night, Tuesday's games were one of my first real tilt slates i think of the whole season i just haven't told the things have just been going so well for basketball that even when we're off chalk i've just felt fine with it last night was the first time where we were off big chalk and even then freaking overtime games give me your thing real quick is overtime the bigger we talked a little off the air bigger tilting thing your chalk overtime when you don't when you're off the chalk or when you've seen your guy like should have like five more assists, but the other players haven't made the basket, like they um, like so many, or, or or they've gotten fouled. Like this is one that drives me crazy. Like I think they need to like if you know yeah, perfect that's pass, a real stupid one. Yeah, like the perfect pass, and then your guy gets fa- the guy gets fouled. It should have been an easy bucket, um, but now they go to the foul line and they score two points, but you don't get the assist for. It. What do you think is a bigger? I don't bigger know why tilt? you can't get a half an assist. I like the, I know the that people like round numbers, yeah. but if you contributed to a guy who goes one for two from the line. Like, you just got half of an assist. I, there's just no other way for me to say it. And likewise, you probably should get extra credit, one and a half assists for assisting a three-pointer. I don't see, like, we can't, just because this is the way we've always done it, that's the reason we can't change it. I get that you don't want to go back and change Stockton and Malone, or maybe you come up with some new name for this new stat, and you rank it against, like, there's assists, but then there's also, like, super assists or whatever. But, yeah, it's just completely ridiculous. If the point of the assist is to figure out that you contributed for your team scoring a basket without scoring the ball yourself, like, of course we can figure out ways to measure this, right? So, yeah, that is a dumb one. I will say overtime, though, feels worse to me because the assist thing, that's just kind of part and parcel of being reliant upon assists for your daily fantasy production. Like, sometimes they're going to make them, sometimes they're going to miss them. It's just ultimately the way the road. I think that kind of comes out in the wash just because, you know, field goal percentages tend to normalize and so on. Guys tend to get to the line at a roughly similar rate. The overtime thing is especially stupid because, like with Brogdon last night, like, you know, he goes into the overtime, or he's in the fourth quarter, he's been bad, we're off chalk, we're psyched about it. And the fact that he just gets an extra five minutes for no reason, like just other than the game being tied at the end of regulation, it would be like, like there's no real good equivalent for this in the other sports. Like even overtime in football doesn't wind up mattering this much because overtime plays so differently. Uh, so anyway, just drives you completely bananas. Also overtime in the NBA, far more common uh, than overtime in the NFL. And yeah, so from top to bottom, I hate everything about overtime. <laughs> I almost wish, like it's fun for big tournaments. I like to try to forecast like, ooh, this game could go to overtime. And if I stack both sides, maybe I can win the big tournament. But yeah, for regular cash games, it drives me insane. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I think I agree. I'll go overtime as like the big thing. Um, like I, you know, it happens maybe once a week to you, once every couple of weeks, and then I'll go the assist thing is the thing that just drives me nightly bonkers on a nightly basis. Basketball is the best. All right, we're gonna roll game. Wait, real by quick, game. I have another tilt one. Another tilt one. Big when you're playing big tournaments in baseball, and some chalk guy hits a home run in the first inning, 
and you don't have him and he hits like a two run homer and you know that basically you can't win and it's you've only been like you have you haven't even cracked your beer yet it's just sitting there on the table as you like settle in for the night that i think that one actually that's like what drove me away from playing as many big tournaments in baseball so i don't want to deny that one as well yeah, fair enough. Great. Way to get baseball back into our lives when we didn't need it. Okay, here we go. We're going to roll through these games. A uh, bunch of injury stuff to talk about. Some you know new season players. That, not new, new season players, but new season situations that we're still trying to maybe wrap our minds around. First one is the 7 o'clock game between the Wizards and the Pacers. The Pacers are five and a half point home favorites here. The injury news that we're probably just going to need is, um, and this is the same for last night, is Devonis Sabonis is questionable and Miles mm-hmm. Turner is questionable. They both sat last night. Uh, Goga Patadze will start at center, and Jakar Sampson, he was, he was pretty chalky. He was pretty damn good, too. Uh, Jakar Sampson got the start at the three, or excuse me, at the power forward. He He's basically a placeholder, plays like 16 to 18 minutes. Uh, actually, it was the reason that they forced overtime because he fouled uh, Devontae Graham right before <laughs> right before overtime, allowing them to get the – oh, no, excuse me, no, no, he's the reason they – actually, I take it back. He's the reason they avoided the second overtime because he got uh, Devontae Graham in the act of shooting that ended up not being the – not tying the game. So nice job, Jakar. It was about the only thing that he did well on the court. What do we need to do here? Like, would you go back to Goga here? Um, people did want to play in the price. Didn't really come up that much. It looks like they're willing to play him about 30 minutes. TJ leaves the disaster off the bench. Like I said, Samson's bad. They're, they're really – would you need to have both Sabonis and Turner? I'm going to talk about Brogdon here in a second. Um, but would you need to have both of those guys out to consider playing a guy like Goga? I, I feel like it's kind of like I think all so, but I still think you can do it. Like, if they are out, the guy is just contributing across two categories that tend to be relatively constant, which is rebounds and blocks. And – He's just blocking four shots a game. <laughs> like, you just right. don't really see that ever. And if you start the game with, you know, between 9 and 12 fantasy points, it's not hard to get there on a $5,300 price tag. So, you know, I tend to not be all about the guys that don't do a whole lot of scoring. But I would say that if he plays 25 to 30 minutes, double-digit rebounds and two-plus blocks are pretty much what you're going to get. And everything else is gravy. I mean, he's also been a pretty effective passer out of the post, too. So I, uh, I'm, I'm a go-go believer, Doug. I think this is this could be legit. Like I said, I think you need to have both those bigs out to really consider it. I will yes. say, too, if one of those bigs plays and the other doesn't, I think you could play one of those two guys, too, because I think there's going to be a lot of minutes. The Pacers have shown a willingness to play their starters a lot of minutes, especially the bigs oh, yeah. this season. They're very thin, as evidenced by Goga and TJ Leaf getting minutes here. Like They're very thin among the big bodies. So I think this one's a very much a wait-and-see approach. We'll see how it goes. Meanwhile, Malcolm Brogdon is now a $9,000 player, and Malcolm Brogdon de- deserves to be a $9,000 player. Uh, the guy's been awesome. Like this was such a, We talked about this last podcast. It was such a mistake for the Bucks to let him go. Uh, he's showing what happens in like when he's able to sort of just control offense. I, the offense. One of the main reasons I was kind of off him last night was, it wasn't because of Brogdon thing. I kind of just was prioritizing LeBron and AD. Uh, and whatever. That's, we don't need to nitpick that decision. It, I, I think I'm ultimately fine with it. But... He's a guy that's showing up in lineups now. Um, Brogdon at 9,000, I, I, I'm fine with it, right? I, I, even with the assist, I, I was a little worried about the assist numbers too because playing without the two big guys, like that does help the assist numbers for Brogdon um, in a way that Goga and Jakar Sampson and TJ Leaf really can't. And even then, are, are we fine just paying 9,000 for this guy? It seems, uh, congrats on him because I, it's so awesome that he's good and he's just like one yeah. of the more elite players in, in fantasy basketball at this point. Yeah, I think you can do it. I think that, you're not really getting away with anything playing him at 9,000. Like he's averaged 45 fantasy points so far this season. He's obviously just a great real life player, hyper efficient. That doesn't really 
help us very much for fantasy purposes. Like we're just looking for raw point totals. Like we would love for him to shoot 10 more shots a game, even if he only made uh, three of them. Right. But yeah, I think he's a, a, still a very solid option here. I think Washington too, we've seen what they're capable of defensively, which is not a whole lot. The fact that Isaiah Thomas is playing bigger minutes for them can't be helping the case defensively either. So I think Brogdon, a, a super, super good option. Uh, spinning it over the other way though, Isaiah Thomas is now playing real minutes for a team. He's, well, he's always starting. been good on a, yeah. per, on a I, that's what I'm saying. He's always been yeah. good on a per minute basis. He's scoring better than a, well better than a fantasy point per minute so far this season. Are you willing to be a game early on him thinking that, you know, maybe he like if he winds up playing 30 minutes, he could be a $7,000 player, right? He has he's only played up to 24 so far. What are your thoughts on Thomas right now? Yeah, I'm off Thomas, and I have a couple reasons why. One, I don't Great. think the minutes are going to get up to 30. Two, um, we saw last game, that's only one game, but the problem with the, the reason he was looking a lot better on a per-minute basis is because he would come in and spell Beal as a second-unit guy where the idea was you take the shots on the second unit. Sharing the court with Beal, you'll see what happened in this first game. He played more minutes and took fewer shots than he had been averaging up until that point. Like he had been averaging okay. 22 minutes. He had been averaging, excuse me, he had been averaging 20 minutes a game before that with uh, 12, no, 11 shots per game. And then now I'm doing the math wrong. But either way, he, he was... He took he played 24 minutes and took 12 shots. Like the game before, he took 19 minutes, 14 shots. The game before, uh, he took 20 minutes and 14 shots earlier in the year. I think that him just sharing the court a little bit more more with Beal, it's just not going to help the usage at all. And they don't run a system um, with the assists. I don't think you're going to be outsized. And I just don't think he's going to play 30 minutes. So I'm with you. I like watching him play. I'm glad that he's starting. This team's bad. Um, might as well just like let exciting guys play on bad teams. I'm all for that. Like I like that idea from a basketball perspective. I think it's good. I'd rather him play than he's just more fun to watch, even if they're going to lose, yeah. than, than, than other guys. And by the way, they did beat the Pistons in that game with him starting. So I think that's the move's going to stick. Uh, and I just don't think that that's where... It's just not from a fantasy perspective. Like, where, does that make sense? Like the Beal thing. Like that. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to share the court with a guy like Beal. Beal's such a huge usage guy and so good. I just think that from a fantasy perspective, it doesn't help. Does that make sense? Yep. I think uh, you're. I think you're spot on there. Okay. Uh, and then for the rest of these guys, I'm, I'm not that interested. In. But the, overall, this is a this is a pretty interesting game. I will say the the Pacers are playing. Uh, I believe a slightly faster pace this year. Let me just look that up real quick. De- and the defense has not been, yeah, they're playing uh, 102 pace right now. And the defense has not been all that great uh, about the middle of the pack. So I think this has a, this game has the hallmark of what could be a high upside game, especially if you stack it. And I think we're going to need some of the injury news and notes before we get there. Knicks go in and play the Pistons. So the, I believe we're waiting on a line in this game, though I'm not exactly sure why. There are some question marks around some of the guys. Although maybe we no, maybe we just know. Blake Griffin out, Tim Frazier out, Derek Rose out. Andre Drummond has been uh, like Will Chamberlain. Like, I, like, like he, give me like your thoughts here on like how far we want to get with Drummond's price. Yeah, I think Drummond is pretty. He's going to wind up being a pretty polarizing guy at some point because. You know, we were there at 9,500, and we were pretty much on an island. Then we rode the 90% Drummonds at 10,000. And and I will say, too, the price has risen up to these all-time highs for Drummond on the back of three incredible matchups, right? So it goes up against Chicago, you know, essentially no center to speak of, at least no one that can contest him down low. He physically abuses uh, Allen and... Jordan and your beloved Nets in 38 minutes there. And then he goes up against this high-flying Washington team, which, you know, you can be bullish on Thomas Bryant's prospects all you want, but he's not a guy that can legitimately bang bodies with Drummond. He couldn't even stay on the court, right? So the fact that, you know, he's going to go up here 
and face the Knicks, it's another one of those good matchups. I will say, like, I could consider playing him tonight. I do think when the final moment of reckoning comes and he actually plays against a real center, I will definitely be off him at that point. But I do think it's an interesting question uh, going up against the Knicks here. Yeah, the Knicks are pretty bad in their own right. Like they're going to start Mitchell Robinson. That's not great for Drummond, although um, he's not like an amazing on-ball defender. He can't like even to, stay on the court, Robinson. Yeah. The guy well, plays 20 minutes a game. Who cares? The, the, I, I got to say, the Knicks, like at this point, we're so early in the season. I had so much hope that for the Knicks that they were just going to kind of sort of figure out a rotation. This is so stupid of me. But like the that they were going to figure out some rotations and kind of get a clue and know who they were going to start. It's been such a disaster on the Knicks side about who's playing. Mitchell Robinson starts, plays one game, then Bobby Portis plays center. Like, they don't know who the point guard is going to be. Luckily, everyone got hurt, and Dennis Smith, well, not luckily, Dennis Smith had a death in the family, so he's had to sit out. Uh, then Frank Nicolina plays, but then not really, because then he, Alonzo Trea comes in. Like, it's, oh, my God, the Knicks. I, I don't know, except for R.J. Barrett. You can't play a single one of these guys. I know that you were asking about Drummond, but I'm just so frustrated already with where to play some of these Knicks minutes. I think this is still a fine matchup because I think the Knicks are such a mess that Drummond still has it in him, like one of these 2020 games, and he's pushing it, and center's pretty bad, pretty bad on Fanduel. So it's like all these, sure. it's all these things that are kind of conflating together to make it so that eleven. I mean, God, eleven four on Fanduel, and it's and he's like in a hundred percent of lineups right now, right? Like I just don't. This this one this margin feels awfully thin for me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I just like yeah, I, I, I I think ultimately we probably land on him, but man, I, I don't feel great about it. The rest of the Pistons, Markeith Morris has seen a lot of minutes. He doesn't get any re- no one no one on this team gets a rebound except for Drummond. So you got to downgrade all the rebounding uh, expectation off this team. You're really just looking for scoring here. Guys like Kennard, Markeith Morris, any interest in these guys? Kennard has saw a lot of ownership on a smaller slate. I'm not sure we get it for him again, but any any other thoughts on the pitch? Bruce Brown was a 90% star. Congratulations, 2019 DFS NBA the other day. Like he was a, like we fully got there on Bruce Brown was the most, and he, was, and he totally got there as well. Uh, any other thoughts here on the Pistons? Yeah, I can play Kennard. I think, you know, I was a little bit skeptical that he would be able to flex into the amount of shooting that he's been able to do. But the fact that he's scoring 20 points a game right now, I I don't know if it's fully sustainable, but at least knowing that that's in the cards makes me a lot more willing uh, to roll the dice on him at 5,500. I do think Bruce Brown, a little bit more smoke and mirrors. Um, I I get that it's really been there recently, but I, I guess I'm curious to know your thoughts on him super quick before we move on. This guy was scoring less than half a fantasy point a minute basically right up until that Brooklyn game, and now all of a sudden he's topping a fantasy point a minute. Does that seem sustainable to you? Or like, which is the real Bruce Brown, I guess is my major question. Because the biggest thing has been, as he's had the ball in his hand more, and he's been doing the point guard thing, he is, like the assists are, have been very, very real. Uh, you know, he had flat zero assists for six games, and now he has yeah. seven assists in the last two. Like, So what's the real Bruce Brown? Is this guy really a $5,300 player? What do you think? Yeah, he probably is because he's a point guard. I think that, like, and yeah. now, again, like, it's the Pistons scheme is always kind of trouble with sustaining point guards, but mostly because of the yeah. minutes. Like, like Reggie Jackson, Dennis Smith, and Tim Frazier's and Derrick Rose's of the world, like, they all can kind of get there, but they've never been given the chance to play a lot of minutes. Like, you get, like, 28 minutes at ish. You know what I mean? Like, that's always been the it's, yep. oh, that's that's always been the point guard issue for the Pistons. That's not the issue with Bruce Brown. So I think from that point of view, I think 5,300 – if he's just going to play 37 minutes and it really looks like he's going to be, there's not really any blowout risk in this game. I think he's just a good play. I think he's just – and I think people will look at 5,300 and be like, 5,300 for Bruce Brown because they're going to be slow on what you just mentioned in terms of like 
the assist number specifically, because if you're using historical stats on Bruce Brown, like you need to throw those completely out the window, right? Like they don't mean anything really. He's like, this is a totally different situation. Like this is a situation where you take his assist and you bump it by like 50% on the expectation of based, yeah, on, his, uh, based on his like career numbers. Does that make sense? Like, and, I, I, and I'm being serious about 50 You probably that double be, them, honestly. I, that I might be probably low. Double, double the assist, yeah. yeah. Right, so all of a sudden now at 37 minutes, 38 minutes for Bruce Brown as a seven assist guy, 12 shots per game, 20 shots the game before. I know he had three steals and two, three, two blocks and three blocks and two steals the game before. The blocks aren't going to come, but the steals are probably pretty real. He's a pretty good defender. Uh, yeah, no, I think I, in talking him out, I probably, I already changed his project. I already I started thinking about changing his projection. So, yeah, I think Bruce Brown is, is a real thing. The minutes are real, um, and the Knicks are a terrible team. So, all the more power to him. Uh, any, any other thoughts on the Knicks? I know I complained about them at the beginning. Uh, RJ Barrett plays like 40 minutes a game. That became some hubaloo. Uh, recently, but um, yeah, uh, roll me through this one, then we're gonna keep moving because I know we're on, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a slower pace here. But some of these, <laughs> no, some I, of these, I think games, some of these games the are the I think RJ Barrett has uh, come back down to earth just a little bit, and the price has come up. And outside of him, it's a little bit unclear to me what the Knicks' plan is from a game to game basis. You know, I wrote up Marcus Morris, I think I was going into the Sacramento game, he really got there um, in pretty dramatic fashion, but again, the price is up, and I think. Like, it's not outrageous to play him in those perfect matchups, and I don't know that this is the perfect matchup for him. So I would, wouldn't be shocked at all to see Marcus Morris come back down to earth a little bit here, at least in terms of performance. Take a quick break here to talk about our sponsors. First is mybookie.ag. We're talking about the over-unders and the lines on all these games. We're getting that stuff from mybookie.ag. It's the best place to put down a bet on the game. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. They're going to double that first deposit for you up to $100. you got to use the promo code. you got to be a first-time depositor. But we've been talking about MyBookie forever. We've been using MyBookie forever. No better place to get in some action on the games. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Also, if you're checking out a game or a concert, really anywhere you want to get tickets, uh, we're talking games here, basketball specifically, But if you're looking for tickets anywhere out there on the market, you got to download the Vivid Seats app. You use that same promo code overtime to get automatically enrolled in their rewards program. They're also going to give you up to $100 back on your first ticket purchase. Not going to find a better deal in the seat marketplace than Vivid Seats. You got to download the app, use the promo code overtime, get on out to the game. It's the best way to get tickets. 7.30 7.30 game, Chicago goes in and plays Atlanta. Uh, they did get Trey Young back last game. They also moved Jabari Parker into the starting lineup. Now that John Collins has been suspended for 25 games for violating the C- uh, league's substance abuse thing. Um, so he's going to be out. He's appealing the suspension. He might get there on the, on the appeal, but, not, but that's not going to be relevant for here. Jabari Parker back and playing a lot of minutes now. Um, always been a fantasy point-per-minute guy. Price did come up from yesterday, but he was a pretty chalky play. Could you see going back to Jabari Parker, especially at a power four position that really struggles, but the price, actually, never mind, the price all all the way up to 7,100. Too much on Parker here, uh, although a new role. uh, What are your thoughts? Not too much, I think. Uh, The new role is all well and good, and he can do it. Like It's not outside of his skill set to be a $7,100 player as a starter, but I think the price is is a bit aggressive. Again, if you just extrapolate what he's done on a points per minute basis this season, uh, he's not a $7,100 player, even if he gets up to like 33, 34 minutes. Um, And that was beating up on backups too, right? So, you know, the Atlanta offense just pretty depleted overall here. I think, well, and I don't want to rule him out categorically. I can see a world where we wind up playing him just because power forward being what it is, but it's not a play I'm super excited about. I'll put it that way. 
I have a little hard time trusting some of the minutes in the Hawks here at this point, especially if they're going to be yeah. – uh, they're, on, they're on the back-to-back. I can't imagine they're going to push Trey here too much. They had a nice win against Atlanta – excuse me, against San Antonio, so why press your luck? Uh, any thoughts on the other side of the ball? Uh, Chicago coming off an epic collapse against the Lakers yesterday where they got outscored like – Oh my God! It was like forty-one to six in the third quarter, some disgusting amount. I can't. Remember. It was some insane amount. It's at one point they they, they, they got absolutely destroyed. Uh, anything to like here against Chicago? Against Atlanta, a much improved Atlanta team. This Atlanta team is not a dumpster fire kind of pushover like they were in the past. They're actually trying this season. Any thoughts on the Bulls? Yeah, not really. I mean, Levine. We've talked about him as a guy you can play in exactly the right matchup. I don't think this is necessarily that. I can't tell you what's happened to Laurie Markkinen the last two games either. I mean, from a guy who's pretty consistently pushing 30 fantasy points and actually came out just with an absolute bang against Charlotte on this first game of the season. He's really come back down to earth pretty dramatically, except he's still priced like a guy who can put up 60 fantasy points in a game. So, you know, outside of being a potentially interesting big tournament target, I think there's a case to be made for that. Uh, With the Hawks now getting pretty thin in the front court, I I can't imagine playing any of these guys for cash games. Yeah, I think I probably the, the the minutes the coaching the, uh, the coaching scheme or just the coach in general in Chicago is that he's like oh, I got to yeah. see what I have for my players. It was a quote. It's like, dude, this isn't like college, man. Like you have these guys, just like go out and play them. Like you can't figure it out. You don't know what you have with Zach Levine. Just play these guys minutes. I can't I can't stand that stuff. This means you're an idiot. I, I frankly, you shouldn't be an NBA coach if you say stuff Yikes. like that. Um, you shouldn't be. Yeah, whatever. I like okay. like. Okay, whatever. Sacramento goes in and plays. Tor- Sacramento goes in and plays Toronto. We have a bunch of seven thirty games here. Sacramento's had some major problems this season, uh, just in terms of minutes. And this is not. It doesn't seem like the place we want to get them in, uh, going against Toronto. Toronto though has seen a real concentration around the starters. Van Vliet's playing a ton. Lowry's playing a lot. Uh, they really had a eight, pretty steady eight man rotation, and that's it. Any thoughts here on the Raptors? Yeah, I mean you're getting a steady play, but like most steady teams, that means you're getting. A little bit of a premium on the price so you know Van Vliet again a fantastic game to start this season since then he just flat out hasn't been a seven thousand dollar player so if you like to get guys who are priced higher than their average production then Toronto's a good place to look but you know from Lowry to Siakam to Van Vliet to Gasol really it's every guy on Toronto is priced at like a four and a half x multiplier and that's not anywhere I want to be uh, for my DFS purposes. It was one fun while it lasted. I think, you know, I will pat us on the back for being on the Raptors when they were all 25 to 30% cheaper. But now that the price has come up, I'm off it. I'm still waiting for, like, another big Siakam game like he had in the first one. He's had some foul trouble and some weirdness around his lines. Um, I He's not going to turn into, like, the next version of Anthony Davis, I don't think, uh, even, you know, what we thought we saw from the first game. I still don't mind his price, but it's probably a little bit too expensive at this point. And they just have a bunch of other guys that can contribute. So that's where I kind of get talked off Siakam uh, just a little bit. Golden State goes in and plays Houston. Houston's 16.5-point favorites. Russell Westbrook sat last yeah. game in the second half to the back-to-back. But then Golden State just came out with this team the other day and just beat the Blazers. Like I, Eric Pascal and Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman and this Getting team the band beat, back together. Yeah. Oh my God! I mean, like you got to be actually pretty encouraged if you're a Warriors fan, right? Like, you're like this is the season they lose. They develop all these young guys. They get a good draft pick probably when it's all said and done, and then they just bring everyone back next year fully rested, right? You're feeling okay if you're a Warriors fan. And then what do we do with them fantasy wise? Because it looks like they're going to get killed, and it also looks like these guys are just going to play a ton for the rest of the season, like as they just get these young guys as many minutes as possible, right? Do that. I'm a little confused about where we go sort of on both sides of this game because of the blowout stuff, but then the Warriors might be blowout proof. I'm going long-winded. What are your thoughts here on this game? Sure. So I would be a little hesitant on the Rockets side. I do think there is legitimate risk. Uh, not to say these guys are unplayable, you know, like Harden or House. I don't think it's crazy or Westbrook. 
if he plays. I don't think there are... Like, it's not unfeasible to me that they could just destroy what should be a pretty bad defensive Warriors team. I mean, for their big win against Portland, they still give up 118 points, right? And I think that's going to kind of be how the Warriors go. If they actually wind up getting there, it's going to be, you know, on the back of 33-pointers at 30% or whatever, or 40%, or however it comes together. Um, But like you said, there just aren't that many active NBA guys on this team, you know? So, I mean, you know, we'll see if you get... Uh, Green and Russell for this game. Is there a word on that yet? I, I just didn't I don't. I don't before. think they're going to play. I think they're going to both sit. Uh, I think that there's yeah, okay. just no. Russell's there's questionable. Just... Yeah, Green. Green looks like he's out. So I, I think with both of them out, there's just not that many active players on the roster. You know, like if it's not going to be Eric Pascal, it's just going to be Marquise Chris or, or or Amari Spellman, right? So at some point, somebody has to be out there on the court. They don't let you just not play anyone. <laughs> so right. I think thirty minute like. You know, maybe it's not 39 minutes the way Pascal got against Portland, but I think 32 minutes. I think you can definitely pencil uh, the people that have shown the ability to play that many minutes in. I mean, Kai Bowman, Poole, uh, even Lee off the bench. That one feels a little riskier to me, but I kind of like Lee's game. He got to the line 11 times against Portland. <laughs> like, yeah. he's just getting in there. Uh, no worries against his playoff team. It's just pretty funny. So, I uh, yeah, I, I think I could see playing Warriors in cash even as 16.5-point talks. Yeah, I'm just not as worried. I'm not worried about them in the block concern. I am worried about the Harden Westbrook side of it. I think that like you really, yeah, uh, you, if they start look, I, I tell you though, the Rockets have been pretty not that great. The Rockets are second to last, second to last in terms of defensive efficiency this season. Now the Warriors are the worst, so there you have it. They're getting these two teams facing off against each other. Rockets sure. have been really bad on defense this year. Like it's it's not conceivable that they inconceivable that they are gonna just blow this team out. They're gonna score a lot. But they haven't been able to stop anybody. This one's if you're looking for a tournament stack, this is it. Harden, Westbrook. I think they can probably stop Kai Bowman and Jordan Poole. I'm not gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that <laughs> this will be their best matchup Blazers, of the season. Blazers could. I'm just I'm mostly just saying yeah, that they've had right. they've they, they've struggled here. Anyway, this is this is a tournament stack. There's some cash game viability as well. Uh, but if you want to stack like just the Warriors maybe trying to hang here, I think and people not wanting to place these guys because they went up a price a lot, I think that uh, I think you have a lot of upside in this game. I've mentioned there's going to be some games we're not going to be so interested in. Minnesota goes in and plays Memphis. Now, this game does have a pretty high over-under at uh, 224, mostly because Memphis is just not the ground-and-pound Memphis team anymore. They play one of the fastest paces in the league. But I just like I feel like it's kind of, sort of like Carl Anthony Towns or – he's back from suspension, by the way. Carl Anthony Towns or bust for the Timberwolves. Like It's like you kind of play him and then – like he's the whole team, right? Am I right about this? Like I just, it was interesting when he wasn't around. Um, I think he had some right, value exactly. to play, but when he's back, it's like I guess I mostly question is, do we want to play Towns here in this matchup? That's really that's really the only question. Like, do we want to play Towns? He's the same price as Drummond. Yeah, I think you can do it. Uh, you know, Memphis. I wrote about this earlier in the season in one of my cash game articles, but they're not the old school grit and grind Grizzlies. Like they they play a top five pace this season. You know, within shouting distance of the top overall pace, and the defense has been essentially you know, league average or a little bit worse. So I think the fact that you can get Towns in what should be a positive matchup for him is not crazy at all. And, you know, Memphis, frankly, like who, who are they offering down low that's going to contend with Towns or, or be able to chase him around the court? It's not Jonas Valanciunas, I'll tell you that much, because for as much as this guy is an automatic double-double, he couldn't stay on the court for Toronto because of the defense, right? So I think the Towns definitely in a position to absolutely go off here. Um, and like you said, though, they, they met the other Minnesota guys, they're, they've seen slight upticks in price with Towns out. And now with Towns back, they're going to dramatically drop in usage. I can't picture playing any of those guys here. 
Yeah, and I think you have the same problem. Well, you have the problem of Memphis. They're just not. They're they're sort of like in the, one of the, one of the few teams that's in an active tank. Like they have no interest in winning games. They'll play the guys twenty eight to twenty nine minutes. Jaron Jackson's back, so you're not going to play Brandon Clark. So I'm not interested in that side of the ball. I think you're just saying to yourself, do I want to play Towns or not? I think I probably lean Drummond, but Towns has been so awesome to start the season that it's really hard. He's a, he is a tough fade. Those numbers are are, pr- are pretty awesome. Orlando goes in and plays Dallas. Speaking of awesome numbers, Luka Doncic, uh, the guy is like basically averaging a triple-double. Uh, he's averaging two, uh, 27 points, 10 rebounds, and if you round up, he's averaging 10 assists per game, throwing a steal or two uh, as well. He's one of the safe kind of minutes and just opportunity guys on this squad. They do seem they, – they move the starting lineup around a lot. Um, it's really hard to trust like what they're they – they play matchups as much as any team in the league. But Doncic, eight-point favorites over – uh, Orlando is he maybe just a top priority at this point in terms of like what he does, how safely how it just seems so damn safe the way he scores all of his points. He just does literally everything. What are your thoughts here on Doncic? Yeah, oh, I love Luca. I'm I'm a big believer that this leap is legitimate. Uh, we often talk about how baseline talent doesn't tend to change for NBA players and that they basically are the same players from year to year, except for these really young guys. And while Doncic, you know, it feels like, especially when he was in Euroball, it feels like he was sort of a known commodity. Uh, this season, he is showing that when the reins are off, he's a, probably a true talent triple-double guy. I mean, he's making an MVP case so far this season, and he's, uh, like, he could wouldn't even be a senior in college. So I'm a huge believer in Luca. I think there's even potentially more growth to come. And I think when it's all said and done, he might wind up being like he's in a very, I'll put it this way. He's in the very small group of guys who could score the most fantasy points this season. And that at 11,000 in a good matchup with Orlando seems totally fine to me. Yeah. Um, I said this to you off the podcast as we were just talking quickly about uh, projections. I'm starting to dumpster uh, Vucevic here. I, the rebounds have sort of started to disappear. The shooting is terrible. I'm not sure if they're just doing playing a slightly different system. I don't know if it was a contract year thing. Because if you look at his numbers, like his last year's numbers were, he's basically this year what he was all the previous years. Last year was the difference uh, maker in, huh. in a contract year. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to sustain, but it is a little bit alarming that he just has gone right back. To, he's shooting more three-pointers, and that actually makes me think he's playing a little away from the basket more. I, I don't know. I, I, I dumpster the projection here. Do you feel fine with that? Because so the case on Vooch, let, let, me, let me clarify a little bit. So um, I actually think there could be a case of run bad from the field here. Uh, not only is he shooting much worse from three, I mean, he's making half as many threes as he made last year, and I don't think that that's the type of thing. That's not an effort-based stat, right? Like, it's not like, oh, it's a contract year. I'm just going to be better at shooting this year. I don't think you tend to see that. Um, and likewise, just the overall field goals have been at 41%, which would be the worst of his career including his rookie year by 4%. So I don't think that that's realistic. I think he will, you know, trend back up into that like 47, 48% field goal range at the worst. And I think there's better days for Vooch ahead. And that being said, does it even matter at an $8,600 price tag? Like, you know, when we were playing Vooch in the past, we were excited about it at 8,000 when everything was falling. So you're never going to pay a premium for it here, but he's a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. If, you know, if say he plays an eight game stretch here, where the percentages look more like they did last year, I think there's a strong case for playing him at like 8,200 in good matchups. But at 8,600 with potential question marks, it's a no-brainer. You're just not going to play him. 
Uh, they did move Markel Fultz into the starting lineup. It hasn't translated that much into any additional yeah. fantasy stuff. The minutes really aren't there. I was hoping he would get up to like 30 minutes. They just they just basically swapped him and DJ Augustine. The minutes are basically exactly the yep. same, so you don't really get anything else there. Philly, uh, excuse me, 9 o'clock games. Philly goes in and plays Utah. Interesting game from a basketball perspective. Not sure I'm all that interested in from a DFS perspective. The two teams are just basically two of the best defensive teams in basketball. Uh, whenever we see a Utah's number one and Philly, eh, they're top 10. Uh, but whenever and whenever we see something like this, do we kind of knowing that the rest of the slate is what it is with some of these bad teams playing? Is it a pretty easy stay away? Even though there's a bunch of fantasy guys that are viable, Embiid does come back this game. But um, overall, does it feel like kind of a stay away game for you? Yeah, I mean Philly tends to be the team that you play when Embiid's not playing and that you ignore or maybe play Embiid when he is. You're not going to smash Embiid into Rudy Gobert here. That's fantasy suicide, in my opinion, given that we have other good options. Like, you know, just comparing him to, say, Andre Drummond going up against New York, you're not going to make the Embiid call there. So I think both ways, it's a combination of good defenses and perhaps more importantly, super consistent minutes for both of these teams when everyone's healthy. So taking those two factors together and, you know, what ought to be, it'll be a fun game for real life purposes, but I think it's a cross off for DFS. Final game of the night is Milwaukee goes in and plays the Clippers. And the big news here is the load management strikes again. Kawhi Leonard will sit out the front Ew. end of the back-to-back against uh, against the Bucks. This game has a monster Cowards. total. Yeah, well, jeez, well, it's funny you said that about cowards. Do you really think? Do you really feel that way? What are your What are your quick thoughts on? We're, this is the last game. We're gonna get out of here. But the um, what are your thoughts on load management? Like. Correct, incorrect. I mean, Kawhi can basically say whatever, do whatever he wants at this point. The guy's earned. Yeah, I the think only the- thing that matters. So load management. The, if you, I, I always try to look at these things empirically and try to figure out what am I getting and what am I giving up. So obviously, what you're giving up is some expectation in some certain number of games during the regular season. The only difference that that will make for a team like the Clippers is who they play in the playoffs and whether they have home court advantage. If you think you're better than everyone. That's all well and good, but you know, let, let, let's say they took it to an extreme end and were the eighth seed. Like it's not like, and you're like, oh, but we're still the best team. So wait till we get in the playoffs. Even the best team, we saw this last year in many series. Even the best team won't win every game. And so last year, the Clippers took two games off of a fully healthy Warriors team. Right? We know that nothing in basketball is 100. percent So you are rolling the dice at some point by giving up home court and giving up better matchups. And all that being said. The sitting Kawhi from time to time isn't going to have any fundamental difference on whether the team makes the playoffs or really even their seeding. I mean, maybe outside of like a one or a two seed. So I think I'm totally fine with it. I think it's I think it's something that gets really blown out of proportion. Unfortunately for basketball fans, it would be a lot more fun to watch these regular season mashups of you know two potential finals teams in the Clippers and Bucks. But you know whatever, we'll manage. Uh, they're they're real people. They're running businesses. It's not really for us to scold them for doing what they think is best. Okay, so with that in mind, this game is a 227 over-under, which is about the highest on the slate. I think it's a thin spread. Milwaukee only three and a half. I suspect Will, Lou Williams gets to start for Kawhi. We saw that happen last game. I don't know if we think we got a great sense of what the minutes were going to be, like Harrell got in foul trouble. But could this be like the game to stack? Like, is Giannis just in line for a bunch of minutes and not have to face Kawhi here? Like, is this just... is he, I don't know. Is this where we kind of go for cash games? Give me your final thoughts here on just maybe having this be the outsized ownership one. Yeah, I mean, no one on the Clippers who's playing in this game can cover Giannis. Uh, There are very, very few teams that can anyway. And when you're missing both Leonard and George, two of the guy, five guys in the league that you'd be excited to put on Giannis, uh, then you probably don't have a third guy like that. Do you think they'll, what, try to 
Do you think they're going to try and cheat it with Patrick Beverly or something like that? Like or who's Jermichael Green and Jermichael Green or something? I don't know. Those just yeah, that's throw not some, good enough. Throw so, some bodies. Yeah, Giannis will go off here. I think there's no question about that. I think the floor is very very healthy here for cash games. I think the Bucks probably get a kick out of you know playing one of these teams that's supposedly going to be one of the up and coming contenders, uh, given that they're were the definitive contender from the East last year. Obviously, not besides losing to Toronto. Um, so yeah, I think Giannis is a great play here. I don't know if you need to go too far on the Bucks. Like I don't know which other Bucks you really want to play outside of Giannis. I think Middleton is priced fairly. I think he could get the Beverly treatment, which would not be good for him. Uh, Bledsoe, who knows? That guy has been good recently, but definitely has the come and go factor to him. Uh, if you believe in the uptick, right? If you think he's going to get seven, eight rebounds and five, six assists a game, like he will be a sixty-five hundred dollar player. But I think you're definitely inviting a little bit of uncertainty in your life there. Uh, on the Clippers side. I'm I'm psyched to play any team that's missing their best player. So I'd have to go through name by name, but at a cursory glance, I wouldn't be disappointed to see any Clippers in my cash game lineups tonight. Final question. The guys are all around the same price. Assume you just save it somewhere else on the cheap play. Drummond against the Knicks, Giannis against the Clippers, Carl Anthony Towns against the uh, Grizzlies. You had to hang your hat, cash hat on one of those guys. Where would you go? Yeah, that's really, really close. Um, not Towns. Probably, well, maybe, maybe Towns. <laughs> oh, Doug, it's so close. Uh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to look at our system, which wants to give me Drummond. So let's let's go with Drummond for now. I think it's going to be Drummond too, but I think I feel better about Giannis. All right, we're going to get out of here. I'm sorry, but can we just talk about Drummond real quick? Because I, like, I hate to get caught up in the early season sample size Olympics. He could average 20 rebounds like at the halfway point of the season. Like yeah. that's, that's pretty damn cool. So I'll play Drummond just on the cool factor. Trade Blake Griffin before. Trade Blake Griffin now so we can get someone Someone take Blake Griffin so we just get a whole season of Drummond in a contract year to see if he can just get all, all 20 rebounds a game. I think that I think in a contract year, <laughs> he, would, he would find a way to do it. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com slash deals. Get you started on our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal Lineups, FanDuel, and DraftKings. That'll cover you for football as well go check out the football podcast too uh put that's up on the same or it's up on a different feed but uh i'll put the i'll put the link in the show notes is also up on our site uh dfsr.com slash deals go over get started head over to the chat ask how people like the system and you will probably be uh, a user for as long as our other guys have because they just like what they get and i don't know we're really proud of what we do so dfsr.com slash deals we'll be back again later in the week talking more who's buddy enjoy your wednesday in the association will do